I also think about the concept of matching and mirroring that, yeah. that it, as you're listening, you also want to match, like, are they talking loud? Are they talking soft? What part of their body are they speaking with? If you have someone that's telling you a deep, dark secret and they're just like, yeah, you know, I, um, you know, and like, that's how they're talking. You want to come in and do the exact same thing. All right. What's going on, ladies and germs? We are back for another Wednesday installment of Midweek Mastery. I know you're going to love today. Uh, what I love about this episode is we get in some really practical, helpful tips that are going to move the needle for you in your business and your life. And it's just something that you can take action on, right? Something that's really, really useful uh, and it's quick hitting. So I know you're going to love today. Uh, Mike, what would you like to say about today's episode? These episode, this episode specifically is really designed to help you leave into action. So I would invite you to take a, take a moment before you leave the episode, maybe grab a pen, grab a paper, like put, put some action items into play. And if you wanted to share with us what some of those actions are, please find us on YouTube. If you're watching this on YouTube, great. Hit us up in the comments. If you're listening to us, perfect. Great. Hit us up in our reviews. We're always, uh, we're always appreciative of that. So here we go for another Midweek Mastery here on Wednesday with Better Than Rich Show. Today's topic is all about the art and science of negotiation. It's one of those foundational skills. We have to know how to negotiate at least a little bit, or we're constantly going to be getting the short of the stick. We're not going to be getting our needs met. And we're going to end up being resentful simply because we didn't know how to advocate for ourselves. We didn't know how to put our interests forward. That can be taken too far, certainly, but some people have no idea how to advance their own interests and therefore wonder when they wake up three years, five years, 10 years down the road, where they went wrong and why they aren't where they want to be. You yeah. taught me something back when we started coaching together about the levels of influence. And I'd love hmm. for you to jam on that for just a moment. There's really three levels of influence. The way we want to look at this is how are you positioning yourself? Because ultimately, when we think about negotiation, he who has the most leverage is he who's willing to walk away from the deal. He who needs it less is the one who has the negotiating leverage and power. There's three different positions to sell from and influence from. The first one is the demonstrator. This is somebody who we're placing the client's money ahead of our product or service. The only way to do that is to talk about how great we are, to try to demonstrate that. But they're actually in the negotiating captain's seat because we're placing the money that they have ahead of what we bring to the table. And the second one is called the connector. And the connector is somebody who sees it as even. Like, hey, you have something I want, I have something you want, let's make a deal. I think we could be mutually beneficial to each other. There's a connection that you're trying to build because you're seeing each other as peers, but you really don't necessarily want to try to influence somebody from a peer perspective. And where you want to position yourself is as an expert, as somebody who actually needs the money less than they need your product or service. When you are the person who is more needed and you don't need their money, but they need what you have to offer, then obviously you're putting yourself in the captain's chair in terms of actually navigating the negotiation. You have the leverage. So if they do try to push back on any number of terms, whether it's price or service levels or whatever the agreement is, you can say, hey, look, I don't need this deal. And if you don't like the terms, then you know I'm sure you can find someone else to meet your terms. But that's not really something I'm interested in doing. Those are the three different positions you can influence from. And I think it really does translate well to negotiation. Mike, what are your thoughts? 
it translates perfectly to negotiation because mm. ultimately I think there's a lot of people mm. that are in that like demonstrator phase of selling. Like, hey, this is what I have. You make the decision. The connector is good. I think there's some people in that connector, but we really want to train these experts. We want to help experts be the person of influence. And there are certain things that you need to embody in order to be the expert at the negotiation table. Absolutely. When I think about bare bones, again, high level, it's like he who is needed less has the leverage. We have to understand the goal of negotiation too. Just high level conceptually, what we want to be thinking is, well, what I want to do here is I want to be needed less and then I want to create a win-win. If the object of the negotiation, and this is where like nice people get caught up about negotiation, Mike, and at least this is my thoughts, they actually feel bad about negotiating. And they think, oh, well, I'm trying to take more Then obviously I'm trying to take more for myself and give less to whomever I'm making a deal with. That's not a bad impulse. Basically, you're saying, well, hey, I want to make sure that this is fair so that we're creating a win-win for the future. And I think that's really smart. But you also need to make sure that it's a win for you. You probably want to look at negotiation is what's the best possible outcome that's also a win-win? What's the best possible outcome for me that's also a win-win for whomever I'm making a deal with? Mike, what's coming up for you? I'm ready to dig in some of cool. these sciences. What comes up for you on the science? The first one is the seven steps to a sale. This is like the base space level of selling. So the seven steps to a sale include number one is building rapport. Number two, establish credibility. Step three is to create a problem. Step four, offer a solution for that problem. Step five is create a specific need. Step six is do a price comparison. And then step seven is where you negotiate. If you do the first six steps well, the negotiation becomes easy because during the first six steps, you establish yourself as the expert, you establish a need and a problem, you offered a solution for the problem. As far as getting into the negotiation, the first thing is asking with confidence. So whenever you're going to ask for the sale, you want to ask with confidence. So there's different ways to do it. There's a yes or yes question that you could use, such as, did you want to pay it in full or would you rather do a monthly installment plan? So it's like a yes or yes. Did you want to put it on your debit card or most people put it on their credit card so they get points, which one works better for you. So that's an idea of a yes or yes. There's also the never get a no. So that's a yes or yes question in a different way, which would be, does that option work for you? Or would you like me to show you another option? So they're either saying, yes, that option works or yes, show me another option. So that way you don't get the consumer or the potential client to say the word no, because no is a trigger word that can potentially create a downward sequence. Presenting a price. Anytime you present a price, it's good to present it in a visual way. So if you're using Zoom, I would pull up the whiteboard and draw it on the whiteboard so there's a visual or have a keynote slide where you could share screen so there's some sort of visual. Maybe even draw it out, have the client take out a pen and they draw it out they write down the price. So that way they could see the visual. Transitioning from the no is very important. You may have heard the concept of objection cycle. So the transition into the objection cycle is really critical because you don't want to create the me versus you feel. You want to align with them. Number one, pause with a smile and nod. Don't say anything. Why? Because they might not be done talking. You want to let them get all of the words out. Just hold space for them to talk and you smile and nod and just as they're talking, just nod your head. Cool. Then if, as long as there's like maybe a three to five second pause, that's your cue. Three to five seconds is the cue. It's a little awkward, uncomfortable, but you have three or five nods. And then it's like, hey, no problem. No problem means no pressure. So no problem, no sweat. I completely understand how you feel. I love that. Feel, felt, found. 
feel felt found is another tool. I completely understand how you feel. In fact, my sister, she felt the exact same way. I had a client last week who felt the exact same way. What they have found is by going through this product or service or this, you fill in the blank, benefit, 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 benefit. Then you could go into the next part, which is this objection cycle of once you're answering their concern, then you ask again with confidence. So the objection cycle is this idea of, I completely understand how you feel, transition, use some sort of logic or information to rebuild value to offset their concern, and then ask again with confidence. Such good basics of such consumer psychology to understand what's going on inside your prospect's mind, how to work with them, how to actually position yourself and then position your product or service properly. When it comes to the objection cycle, the concept you want to be thinking about is people don't really change their mind. They make new decisions based off of new information. No one's just randomly based on no new information going to change how they feel about something. The customer, the prospect, the opportunity to reconsider their position on things. Namely, is this a good value? Is this a good fit? That objection cycle is something every single person needs to understand when it comes to negotiation because objections are going to arise. We need to appreciate that concern and then offer them some new information that ultimately we can ask again. If you haven't created the nerves of steel, Mike, maybe you can share some tips that you have for just like creating the nerves of steel to be able to ask any question but you do need to be able to like fire multiple rounds of questions to say, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? Now, you're not the pushy car salesman or anything like that. You're only asking once you've given new information and therefore it only is logical for you to ask again because you've offered new information that they can then consider. Does that change your mind? Hey, how do you feel about that now? If you don't have those nerves of steel, Find a way to get those nerves to steal. Maybe it's just repetition and getting yourself out there and asking 100 people if they want to buy something seven times each. I bet you that you're going to get pretty good at it. Mike, what are some tips that you have for developing that? Well, the first thing is no does not mean a rejection. It's important. Mm. So the reason why I could have nerves of steel is because they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting my proposal. Now, sometimes people think more value means I need to lower the price. Potentially, because no or I'm unsure means the price is still higher than the value. So you have two choices, lower the price or raise the value. Most of the time, people will say, I'm just going to lower the price, which is okay, but that might compromise that win-win that, Andrew, you mentioned earlier, because now it's like, I'm just going to take away some of my commission or lower the price for you, which maybe that's a good strategy. A better strategy, the expert strategy is, that's great. This is the price. I totally understand. You don't have to spend that money with me. I just want to let you know this is why that price is this way. Let me give you some new information or let me reiterate some of the information that we said. Let me remind you of a couple things and paint that picture for them even more, giving them even more logic, offsetting some of those concerns, making it easy for them to say yes. Maybe offer a money back guarantee type of thing, something that can help them feel comfortable with making a decision today. That's what negotiating is. How can I help them make a comfortable Yes, decision today. Yeah, absolutely. One of the biggest things you can do in a negotiation is practice active listening. And are you really being present to hear what's going on? Additionally, what are they saying without it being said? How can you pick up on their body language, what they emphasize in the conversation versus what they de-emphasize? 
we're looking for where are their pain points, where are the biggest areas that really matter to them. Active listening is such an important thing. Another thing is to mirror back. Oftentimes you could even say the exact phrase that wherever they end on, you can repeat back to them. So it's like, hey, I, you know, I'm just saying that this is really important to me. Okay, so what I'm hearing you say is that this is really important to you. You're showing them that you're listening and that you care, and nobody's interested in negotiating with somebody that can't at least summarize back or repeat back what's important. There is something I learned of the tools of influence mm. and mastering influence, the art of rapport, mm. the art of state management, the art of question asking, and the art of personal congruency. The idea of rapport is deep connection, because if they like me, they're going to trust me. So it's not like, how is the weather? That's surface level rapport. So getting into the rapport by sharing a personal story or relating where they're like, wow, he's just like me. Deep connection is a really important art to learn when it comes to negotiation in the step one phase. As far as personal congruency, that means you believe that your product or service is in their better interest than yours, meaning they get a better end of the stick than me. The money I make on the deal is going to get spent somewhere, but you're going to have the product or service that's going to help you do blank, blank, and blank, which is way better than what I get. I'm winning, but you're winning more. And that's that personal congruency. That allows you to ask for the sale seven, eight, nine times because it's like, listen, I think it's in your best interest. The art of personal congruency means you need to really methodically understand and convince yourself of why your product or service is best interest. The art of question asking. This is something that Andrew is one of the masters, just unbelievable at coming up with the right question at the right time and being able to know from deep curiosity. The last one is state management and your state is your energy. No one wants to negotiate or work with someone who has low energy. So it's like, where's your focus going? Where's your physiology at? What are the words that you're speaking? So the understanding your physical energy and your mental energy during the sale, I think is really important. For those of you who are wondering, how do you know the right questions to ask? What I'm really trying to do is be as present as possible and not try to be thinking about what I'm going to say in response. And so when we do that, we can trust that the right answers will basically emerge. You helped me tap into that. I mean, that's a feminine energy quality you're bringing into a negotiation, which is more of a masculine type of conversation because mm. you want your, your, your outcome driven. So it's like being able to bring and merge and converge those two, the art of being able to call out the feminine in the middle of a masculine transaction. That's methodical. It mm. takes practice. It takes coaching. It takes intentionality. I also think about the concept of matching and mirroring that, yeah. that it, as you're listening, you also want to match, like, are they talking loud? Are they talking soft? What part of their body are they speaking with? If you have someone that's telling you a deep, dark secret and they're just like, yeah, you know, I, um, you know, and like, that's how they're talking. You want to come in and do the exact same thing. Then it's also pacing and leading. This is another art where it's like, they're really fired up and they're all excited. You need to calm them down a little bit. It's like meeting them where they're at. And then it's also pacing and leading. What you're doing there is you're remaining in rapport. Like you're gaining that deep rapport and then we're maintaining it throughout. And there really should be very, very few times where we ever break rapport. The rule whenever you lose rapport is to get in rapport. How do I get back in rapport? <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, maybe I misspoke there, by the way. Sorry if I sounded a little harsh there, but hey, what I was trying to get at was this. And, and you, okay, so now we're just repairing that rapport so that we can move forward and actually work together. The last thing that I had here in my notes is to know what a win-win looks like, or at least a win looks like for you. And to know what are your stop points? What are you willing to give? 
give up in this negotiation? And what are you not? What are your non-negotiables? If you haven't done enough thinking about what constitutes a win for you coming out of this negotiation, and you haven't done enough thinking about what you'd be willing to concede, what's kind of in the nice to have column and what's in the must have column, then when they present their version of that to you, you're more likely to just accept it because you haven't really thought through. So often what happens in a negotiation is the person who's thought it through more is the one who wins the negotiation. Knowing your stop points, knowing what you're willing to concede, what are your non-negotiables as you head into a negotiation and what are your nice to haves? I'm excited about this episode and I'm excited for you to get a lot of value from this. Mike, any closing thoughts? Go get rejected. Go have fun. (laughs) Don't be scared of no. No is where the game begins. So think of it like a game. No is when the game begins. And that's when you can use all your gifts and all the things that you just learned. Go have fun with that. Better Than Rich Show listener. Thanks for sticking around to the end. If this episode inspired you, if it motivated you, if the connection that you're getting from our guests and from us resonates with you, we just want to extend a little offer to you to help you regain some time. Because one of the things that we've realized as busy entrepreneurs is that our time is the most valuable asset that we have in our business, but also with our families, with our health, with our personal growth, uh, all those certain things that we want to grow in our lives, they require time, they require energy. And we've launched a service that we've been doing for now for over a year that has a lot of traction in the marketplace that just sources a team of virtual assistants for you. And so if you've never had a conversation with a member of our Better Than Rich team before on our virtual assistant program, you're missing out. That's an opportunity to learn more about what we're up to. And ultimately, we help people regain 80, 100, 150 or more hours a month, every single month. And what might that do for you? What might that do for your life? What might that do for your family? And if you want to live a life that's truly better than rich, time freedom is a big part of that. So Mike, where can people learn more and why should people at least book a call with our team? Well, first, I think it's very simple for you to just go book a call. It's free. We'll hop on uh, with you, one of our team strategists, and we'll just poke around your business. Worst case, you figure out what your dollar per hour wage is and what your time is worth, and we'll at least make sure you leave with that. Best case scenario, we could give you a team of two or three or more virtual assistants to just get all of your admin offloaded. So make your way over to VA, that's VA as in virtual assistant, dot betterthanrich.com. So that's va.betterthanrich.com and book your call. All the details are on there. The pricing is on there. We're an open book. We just know that this service is really helpful. So va.betterthanrich.com and we look forward to our conversation with you soon.